0: In Jesus' name, amen. Today, in the short few minutes that I have with you, I have but one singular sole purpose and goal, and that is today I want to give to you the most pedestrian, the most uninteresting, uninspired, most ordinary, simple, boring sermon ever. That's my only goal today. When I finish, I want to see some eyes closed and hear some snores. Uh, Now, you might be thinking, how is that different than any other Sunday? Uh, But I want to take it to a whole new level today. That is our key word for today, boring. Now, I know that boring in our culture and our world today is often considered to be a four-letter word. We go to great lengths to avoid boredom. Uh, we avoid boredom like the plague and uh, thankfully it's, it's actually pretty easy to not be bored in our world today. We have our TVs and our laptops. Many of us carry our phones in our, our pockets and at any moment we can pull them out and entertain ourselves. Uh, kids these days, I, I don't even know if they know what it's like to be bored anymore. They always have something to entertain them and keep their, their minds going. But even us adults, I think we would always rather not be bored. And and again, we will avoid boredom at almost any cost. I was reading about a a research project that was done a few years ago in a university. And uh, what the researchers did is is they brought these groups of people into very boring rooms. Uh, They brought small groups in to, to rooms that had no artwork, nothing on the walls, just kind of whitewashed. And they sat them down in these very boring, ordinary folding chairs. And they told them just to sit there for 15 minutes. They wanted them to experience boredom for 15 minutes. Now, there was one caveat, and that was that uh, these, each participants were given a button that they could press. And if they pressed the button, if they so chose, they, they would have received a, a highly painful electrical shock. So each participant had two options. They could sit in boredom, or they could press the button. And what the researchers found was that about half, about 45% of the participants actually pressed the button. They were willing to, to undergo some serious pain just to not be bored. Now, you might be interested to hear, and this uh, should be disclosed, that it was 67% of men who pressed the button and only 25% of women who did. So draw your own conclusions uh, from there. But that is still a whole lot of people who would do just about anything to not be bored for 15 minutes. But again, that's because we live in a, a culture, in a world, 21st century world, I think, that, that values things and experiences and people that are new and different and exciting and and fun and out there. But but I want to suggest today that we have a God who values things and experiences and people who are often rather er, ordinary, dare I say, even boring. I think at the very least what we're going to see today is that we have a God who works in some very ordinary, uh, even boring ways for the good of his people. Now, now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Uh, don't, take, don't take me wrong here today. I do think that we have an exciting faith and an exciting God. And as a Christian, this journey we're on to Jesus, there is no greater adventure in the world. It's, it's just that in a world uh, that says that bigger is better and newer is better and different is better and glitzier and more glamorous is better, we have a God who does extraordinary things in the most ordinary of ways. We have a God who I think does the best of things very often in the most boring of ways. And we read about a little bit about that, about how uh, our God works in this way in our reading for today from Exodus chapter 20. Uh, in that reading, you might remember, it was God giving his people the Ten Commandments. God had gathered his people together, recently rescued from slavery, and as they were just setting out on their journey, God was forming them into his people. And he was letting them know here in Exodus 20, this is what life is going to look like for you. These are the kinds of things I want you to do and and not do. Uh, This is the life that will set you apart. This is the life that will make you holy, make you different from all of the other peoples then goes on, God goes on to describe what that life will look like. And, and as you read it, it all sounds pretty unexciting, doesn't it? God makes it sound so simple, so ordinary, so mundane. He says quite uh, simply, he says, love the Lord your God and, and honor him. Uh, honor his name. Honor the Sabbath day. Respect your parents. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't covet in your heart. Be happy with what you have. And I don't know about you, but I think about that in in the life that God calls us his people to. And it is not the kind of life described there in Exodus 20 that would ever have a Hollywood movie made about it, would it? I mean, you take out all those things. You take out uh, adultery and murder and lies and covetousness, and uh, that's about everything we watch movies for. And uh, without that, uh, life can seem pretty unexciting uh, we heard about this again, though, in our second reading from Matthew chapter 22. There in, in Matthew 22, Jesus is confronted with a Pharisee, one of the religious leaders. And by this time in the story, the religious people in Jesus' world are pretty unhappy with him in the way he's turning things around and the messages that he is giving. And so this Pharisee comes to Jesus trying to trap him, trying to trip him up in his own words. And so he asks a question that's meant to trap, but I think it's actually an awfully good question. Now, you might remember it. He said, uh, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? Out of all the commands God gave, and he gave a lot, which is the best? Like, which is number one? And Jesus answers it so simply, right? He says, Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Doesn't always seem too exciting. But I want to suggest to you today, again, that, that God can do amazing things, big things, huge things, even through ordinary lives. I want to tell you today that God can do big things, amazing things, eternal things, even through your lives, no matter how simple or everyday or mundane or even boring you might think that your life is. Uh, Martin Luther uh, had an interesting way of talking about all of this, of how God does big things through ordinary means. Uh, What Martin Luther used to say uh, is that God is most certainly here working. It's not always obvious, but he is. God is here. And he's putting food on our tables. The food we have to eat comes from him. He's putting roofs over our heads. Uh, The homes that we have are a gift from him. He's taking care of children and and working health in the lives of sick people. He's loving the lost. He's giving eternal gifts like salvation and forgiveness and grace. God is, is doing all that. But if we don't recognize him in our world, if we don't see him doing those things, it's because he's hiding himself. Actually, how Martin Luther put it, he, he said that God is here, God is working, but he's wearing masks. And the masks he is, is wearing are the lives and the faces of his people. That was Luther's way of saying God is here and he is working, but he's doing it through ordinary, everyday people like you and me. And so God is here, and he is showing love to little children. But if we don't see it, it's because he's wearing a mask. He's wearing the mask of a worn-out, tired mother who's woken up at 2 a.m. to feed or change the diaper of her newborn baby. And, and she might look in the mirror at 2 a.m. and not see God and not think that she is doing holy, God-ordained work, but she is. God is there. He's just wearing a mask that looks like her. God is here. He's, he's in this world. If we don't recognize him, it's, it's because when we leave here today and we go out to brunch or lunch later this afternoon, he's working in our lives, but he's doing it through the waiter or the waitress who, who brings our food or the cook in the back who prepares our meal. God is providing for our daily needs. He's just doing it through these ordinary, everyday people. Uh, God is here. It's just that sometimes he's wearing the mask of a grandmother, who's showing love to her grandchild uh, by sticking love in their pockets in the form of cookies or candies or or dollar bills. God is here. He's just wearing masks. He's working through the lives of his people. Some of the masks that God is wearing look like this. You might recognize some of those people. Uh, Those are some of the masks that God is wearing today. You might remember, Bob. These are some more of the people that God is working through. Maybe you see yourself in some of these people, but but God is working. He's here. He's, he's just doing it through you. And I know that's, that's hard to believe sometimes, or you look at your own life and think, like, no, I don't know that God's using me, but he is. He's, he's working through your ordinary, everyday actions to accomplish his divine, eternal will. Uh, there's a, another way of thinking about this. Martin Luther said that uh, God was wearing masks. He was working through his people. But there's another way of talking about all of this. Maybe it's a little bit more exciting to you uh, uh, some of you might recognize the names uh, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. Uh, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, it was that. were just ordinary people, uh, an ordinary everyday couple living in the 1950s, going about their ordinary, everyday, mundane American lives just like all of us were, going to work, uh, living in their neighborhood. Their, their neighbors, their co-workers had no idea. Uh, that their lives were not so ordinary. Because, as it turned out, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, maybe you remember this, uh, they they were spies. They were working for the enemy, for Russia. They were eventually accused of and then convicted of and killed for being undercover agents. No one had any clue Uh, they were living such normal lives, but there they were, uh, subverting America for the good of the enemy. Uh, I, I I, I say that to you today to suggest that you, our God's undercover agent, Uh, You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven that God has placed in Arlington Heights or Buffalo Grove or Wheeling or Palatine, Illinois with the purpose of subverting that world to share the love and the grace of Jesus. You are God's undercover agent and he has sent you into schools, into offices. Uh, He has called some of you to be secretaries or office workers or accountants or nurses or grandmothers or mothers or fathers or grandfathers And, and the people in your lives might have no idea they might look at you and just see mom or, or just see dad or, or just see the accountant or, or just see the nurse, but, but God is working through you uh, to change communities and neighborhoods and, and places of work and families. And I know that's not always obvious, but God loves boring things. He loves ordinary things and he works through those boring, ordinary things to do some of his best work and And the truth is, I don't think that that should surprise us. (laughs) After all, think about the life of Jesus himself. When God set, set out to do the most amazing thing this world has ever known, when, when he was determined to bring us the gifts that we most desperately need, when, when he decided to bring to us love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, he didn't do it through some, some giant act of human will. He did it by sending his own son into this world who was born in a humble manger in the midst of the scratchy hay and the smelly animals. Pretty ordinary, wasn't it? And, and the Bible tells us that, that Jesus himself, his appearance, his form, was nothing to look at. You would never have looked at Jesus and thought to yourself, that is the Son of God. He looked rather mundane. We're told that even as Jesus grew up through his life, he grew up in the home of a common carpenter, a blue-collar worker. But then even at the end of his life, when Jesus accomplished that eternal task, when he forgave and, and sacrificed and laid down his life, he did it by dying the death of a common criminal. Jesus working through ordinary means to do extraordinary things. And it's the same for us today. When when God brings those gifts to us, those gifts of forgiveness and grace and life, when those become ours in the twenty century. 21st century world when he takes the gifts of the cross and delivers them to our hearts he does it again in ordinary ways he does it by speaking to you his words of love from a friend or from a pastor or from a neighbor he he gathers people into his eternal kingdom again not by some uh, amazing act of human will but by sprinkling water on us in the form of baptism when he nourishes us and strengthens us for this journey of life he does it through a little cup of wine and a small piece of bread now, sometimes, I admit, God works in big and bold ways. And praise be to God when he does, right? And, and, and maybe we've all seen those big ways. And they are exciting. Sometimes God causes a, a couple, he works in a couple's heart, to, to make a big sacrifice and donate a huge chunk of money to some good Christian cause and And that is bold and that is big, and praise God. Or maybe God calls someone to leave behind the comforts of America and calls them to the other side of the world to share the gospel. That is big, that is bold, that is exciting. Praise be to God when he works like that. But I don't know about you, I I feel like most of the time, at least in my own life, God is working through the ordinary, through the everyday, through the simple, through the mundane, even through the boring parts of my life. My prayer for you today is that you would come to embrace the boring. Or maybe better said, that you would come to see the boring as not so boring. Uh, At least when Jesus is involved. And he is. In Jesus' name. Amen.